Well, hello there and welcome to LawPod. I am Lee Hedgemantelis, the principal of Bryden's Lawyers. Now, today we have with us a very special guest, one of my senior solicitors, William Del Din. Now, William has not been with the firm for very long, but he has joined us and now heads up my criminal law division. So it's a good afternoon and welcome to William Del Din. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for the introduction. I'm really excited to be here at Bryden's Lawyers and loving the first few weeks in the role. Well, how long has it been, Will? So I started on the 17th of August, so now into my third week here and yeah, getting my feet under the table, getting out into courts across New South Wales and, and really enjoying the role. Well, how have you found it? Have we kept you busy? Yeah, absolutely. I, I came in and there was quite a heavy caseload to start with and, and that's only continued. Business is good well, in the criminal law division. I'm very happy to hear that. All right, so let's start at the beginning. Now, how many years of admission do you have now? I'm into my seventh year now of admission as, okay, a, as so, a solicitor. So seven years now qualifies you as a senior practitioner, of course. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Well, well done. Always practicing criminal law? Yeah, I have. It's something that I went into uh, at an early stage. From there, really found a love for it through my through my practice and yeah, I, I can't see myself practicing anywhere else at this point. So how did you fall into it? I mean, you come out of university, for example, you graduate, then you join a firm. Do you get a choice as to which area that you practice in or was it something that you were allocated to and then grew to love? So it was, as far as, as my case was concerned, I was lucky enough to be in a paralegal position through university at a firm that practiced in a couple of different divisions, criminal law, family law and, and wills and estates. And I came in that employment to, to enjoy the criminal law side of things. So once I graduated and, and was admitted as a solicitor there became an opportunity for me and that team to work as a, as a junior as a graduate lawyer and and from there uh, basically I grew into a into a role as a senior associate at that firm. Well I've practiced primarily in the area of personal injury litigation have done so for over 30 years but some of the barristers that I've used all cut their teeth on criminal law and I have found that those who are the best advocates always did a bit of crime early on in the piece because I think being a criminal law advocate really tests you and and you develop particular skills learning how to think on your feet to deal with particular fact scenarios, relevance of evidence and how it can be introduced. There's a large degree of law in the criminal law practice, isn't there? Yeah, yes, I'd agree with that. And and uh, certainly one thing that I love about the criminal law is the ability in, in no matter what case it is, whether it be a license appeal, whether it be a, a murder trial, the importance of your role for your client is so vital. And that's something that never leaves my mind in any matter that I do. So that's something that, that I really enjoy and it keeps you on edge in my view. As I say, with criminal law, you are defending people whose liberties may be at risk. There is no greater area of importance in our judicial system, I think, than the criminal law the jurisdiction, I think, because of what the consequences can be for people. I agree, Lee. And, and if you look at some of the recent developments in certainly in criminal law and even in, I guess, general areas, there seems to be a growing concern and community concern around judicial fairness through the criminal law system. You only need to look at recent series on Netflix and, and Stan relating to judicial systems, both in Australia and, and overseas, to see that there is a real growing view in the community of the importance of the judicial system, certainly the criminal justice system. Well, it is said that it is better for 10 guilty men to go free, the one innocent man to be convicted, and I agree with that. Yes, absolutely. All right. So, okay, so we've covered crime as such, but people may not understand exactly what that means. Give us the range of sort of criminal offences or matters that you would deal with in, in your practice. Yeah, so it's quite it's quite varied. I guess the main types of offences that people would associate with a with a criminal law division to be dealing with would be things like drug possession matters, drug offences, assault type matters, whether that be domestic violence or, or otherwise related assault matters, drink driving matters. Generally, the, the easiest way to think of it perhaps is any any matter where the police are involved with charging a person to come before a court would be a matter that I would be involved in, and then that extends to other offending such as traffic offences, license appeals 
appeals against suspensions by Transport for New South Wales of licences. So that can generally build itself out in local and, and district court sentence proceedings, trials in the district and supreme courts, contested hearings in, in both the local and district court settings, mental health applications and tribunals, NCAT tribunal matters including firearms licensing matters for example, bail applications, yeah effectively it matters along those lines. So it, it, it does encompass a lot of different types of matters that can come before courts in New South Wales. So in other words there would not be a type of criminal matter that we could not cater for here at Bryden's Lawyers? That's correct. We would cover anything and certainly I would suggest if you if you do have matters where you are concerned about criminal proceedings or have proceedings in courts in New South Wales then you should be contacting us and we can certainly provide advice to you based on those matters. All right. Well that leads then to the next question. How early in the piece should someone seek legal representation? Let's say for example you come to the attention of the New South Wales Police and you are a little bit concerned. At what point would you be reaching out to Bryden's lawyers? Uh, for me my advice would be as soon as possible. Ultimately, it doesn't hurt to get advice from someone who's an expert in the criminal law division or criminal law area at the earliest stage possible. Often it can be frustrating when we are dealing with matters where we haven't been involved from an early stage in the proceedings and things have happened in that proceedings that skew the balance towards the prosecution. If advice had been provided earlier in the piece, to that person, it may well be that there'd be a stronger or different defence case that would be available to be run. So uh, I always say once the damage has been done, it sometimes, in, in some certain circumstances, it cannot be rectified. So my advice to any person is the sooner that they come and speak to, a, to an expert in the criminal law division, they'd be able to get advice based on their matter and effectively start then working on preparing whether that be a defence, a sentence, regardless of how they wish to proceed with the, with the matter, start preparing that as quickly as possible and understanding their rights as soon as possible. Well, I think that's excellent advice because such a situation can lead into the arrest of a person who would need to know what their rights are. And if, you know, if they're waiting for the, for the arrest to occur before they reach out to us, it may be too late. That's correct. So if someone reaches out and says, well, hang on, I'm a bit concerned that I may be arrested. What, what are my rights if I am arrested? How would you respond to that? Yeah, th there are effectively the legislation sets out a number of rights for accused persons in criminal proceedings and, and it's perhaps what I'll take you through Lee is, is the main pieces of advice that I would give regarding advice at the outset of the proceeding. People might be aware if they've been in this situation before that the law requires the police to inform an accused person that they don't have to say or do anything in response to questions and that anything that they do say can be used in court against them. Generally there is a right to remain silent in relation to any accused person when they are arrested for offences. However, there are some examples where that's not the case. For example, traffic collisions. The police might require someone to provide their name and address in those circumstances. But generally, there's a, a right not to say anything, with some exceptions. People certainly have a right to contact a solicitor. They also have a right to contact friends or relatives if they are arrested. They also have the right, in, in circumstances where English may be a second language, to contact uh, an interpreter in relation to the matter. And that would be important in circumstances where clearly being arrested is going to be a stressful and unusual circumstance for someone who isn't familiar with the process. So that is, in my view, a vital right for a person who's been arrested. And also there are rights related to medical attention, if, if necessary or reasonable, after an arrest as well. Those are the, the main rights that I would say are important to remember for, for an accused person that's being arrested or has been arrested. All right, just referencing there for the moment about the entitlement not to speak or not to give a statement as such, is it generally the case, though, that before you actually seek legal advice that you should not be giving a statement to the police? Uh, that's generally correct. Um, there are certainly examples in my practice where it may be beneficial 
to speak to police regarding a version, but I would say that those cases are unusual and they are usually in the minority. Generally, it is in an accused person's best interest not to provide any information to the police regarding a case because, and this is said in the, in the caution by police, that evidence can and will be used against an accused person in a hearing on, in respect of the matter. Well, you mentioned earlier traffic matters and the like, and I'm sure we do a lot of that work. People are often asking about license suspensions and what can be done, if yes. anything. There are a number of different types of suspensions, aren't there, that can be applied to a, a driver's license. That's and correct. there are, therefore, a number of avenues available to appeal or to seek to redress that position. That's correct. And traffic law, whilst it seemingly, and, and a lot of clients say, oh, it's not as important perhaps as criminal law. It's a very finicky area of law and it, it, it's very difficult for someone who's not experienced in that area to understand the nuances in the legislation. So my advice always is to have an expert in relation to traffic law give you advice on those matters. You reference the different ways that these matters can come before court and people might be familiar when they are handed a penalty infringement notice, whether that be by the police or, or by the RMS sent through the mail, for example, often there will be an opportunity for that matter to be brought before the court. That is what, what we call a court election. A court election perhaps isn't always in the best interests of clients in circumstances whereby there might be other avenues to bring the matter before the court because a court election effectively changes that traffic infringement into a criminal proceeding and people face higher penalties in relation to that. Often my advice, and it's often speaking to young people who have demerit points suspensions on their provisional licences for example, is to use the avenues that are available with a licence suspension appeal. Transport for New South Wales previously the RTA, previously the RMS, now Transport for New South Wales, will often send drivers notices of suspension. Notices of suspension are an administrative decision by the RMS, generally to suspend a licence. It's usually for a three-month period. It can be longer in certain circumstances. And that notice provides an administrative basis to appeal. The importance or the benefits of appealing a decision of that type is that it doesn't become a criminal law matter, although it is dealt with in the local court. It is a, a an administrative appeal against the decision by the RMS to suspend your licence. Now, that can come up in circumstances where someone's exceeding the speed limit by a substantial amount, say 30 kilometres per hour and over, or 45 kilometres per hour and over, a demerit point suspension. There can be immediate licence suspensions by police for um, offences in involving significant speed or driving with a drug in system or even now um, under the changes of legislation low range drink driving is a matter where an immediate license suspension can be applied by police otherwise transport for new south wales can suspend licenses for medical reasons on medical grounds those are all decisions that can be appealed to the local court and there are a number of options available for the local court when dealing with those license suspension matters that's certainly something that's well within our remit in the criminal and traffic law division at brydon's it's something that i'm doing multiple times per week appearing in courts for these types of matters. And whilst it may not seem as significant as criminal matters, the implications of a loss of a license for people can often be quite stark. It can mean the loss of employment. It can mean significant issues with perhaps needs for a license in family or medical circumstances. And therefore, each of those matters with that right of appeal should be taken seriously. And if they're prepared properly by an expert in that field, often there can be quite beneficial results for the applicant. Oh, thank you, Roy. That's a very comprehensive and very helpful response.
response. Now, I, I assume that the criminal law division and the criminal law jurisdiction in New South Wales has not escaped the impact of COVID-19. How have you felt it impact upon the practice of criminal law? Perhaps the biggest impacts, Lee, were, were seen at the outset of COVID where there were the lockdown periods here in New South Wales. And this is speaking specifically from my experience in the New South Wales system. That, that led to closure of courts in Sydney and, and also effectively the restriction of, of ability to, to finalise cases through, through each court. So that was through the local district and Supreme Courts and even up into the Court of Criminal Appeal. That led to changes in how matters were run. For example, there was a effectively a directive that trials could only proceed if they were judge alone trials. And, uh, and that's something that the court's still currently working through. Certainly in the local court, my experience was significant delays in relation to both hearing and sentence matters where matters were being adjourned for significant periods of time. And we're still coming off the back end of that. We are seeing that the courts are starting to catch up. There's a great willingness from the New South Wales local court to, to expedite matters where possible. There was also, from the prosecution perspective at points, great efforts to negotiate matters whereby matters could be shortened, which was really good to see the defence and prosecution working together in relation to finding suitable outcomes for people that might be facing a, a significant delay in, in their justice being served. We've also seen some additional offences, obviously, in relation to breaches of, of COVID restrictions and the courts dealing with those matters and addressing those. And look, thing, things now look to be starting to get back on track. I, I guess another thing that I've experienced personally and, and I understand for clients who come in and see me is that there's been a change in, in the community in relation to COVID. Money's tight people are looking to find an, an appropriate solution and, and obviously we're willing to work with people in relation to that to help them a little bit in respect of finding the most appropriate outcome for them and understand that it's a difficult time for people in the community. Well just on that point about matters being delayed of course it is said that justice delayed is justice denied Yes. and so these sorts of matters must be dealt with expeditiously because you are dealing with very serious consequences of people in terms of loss of liberty and the like. That's right. So the criminal jurisdiction itself requires requires a lot of attention and the COVID impact of course has been significant but it's That's good correct. to hear that the courts are doing what they can to alleviate those sorts of concerns. Yes. One of the things William that I have been very keen on over the years is to actively promote the firm of Bryden's lawyers without denigrating or demeaning any of our, our competitors. In fact I'm firmly of the view that the only firm with which I compete is my own that we continue to strive to excel in terms of the product that we provide which is legal advice and representation and I know that you've only been with us for a relatively short period of time but your impressions, your perception as to what Bryden's lawyers can provide though as a point of difference? I think when you speak to Bryden's law and, and specifically speak to the criminal law division, what, what you're going to get and what you can be assured that you're going to get is, is that you're going to get someone who's an expert in criminal and traffic law. You're not going to speak to someone who might dabble in this from time to time. You're going to speak to someone who's in courts most days of every week dealing with matters and has experience in that area and significant experience in that area. The, the other thing that you're going to get in my view is, and I've noticed this in, in the short time that I've been here, is that you're going to get a solicitor that listens to you. You're going to get someone that hears what you want to know in relation to the matter and helps you achieve that outcome. Now, that is something that I think maybe gets missed a little bit in criminal law where often solicitors will tell the client what's going to happen and that's that. It's important for you, if you're a client, coming to a firm to understand what the available outcomes are, but also to have your voice heard as to how you want the matter to run, your instructions, how you can best assist us in terms of running the matter. And what I say to clients, I'll often say to them, is that we're working in a team. 
ultimately we're both working together to present the best case possible before the court and that's that's a collaborative effort. What that also leads to is a level of communication between the criminal law team or criminal law division here at Brydon's and and our clients and that's something that might get missed in my view in other firms. I think when you when you engage the criminal law division at Brydon's lawyers you're going to have an open form of communication with with your solicitor. Well thank you William as the employer I'm happy to hear all that and I think one other point of difference of course for our clients and potential clients is access to a 1800 number that they can call and access you directly. I think it links direct to your mobile. It does. That's 1-800-017-017. Now, is there any time of the day that someone cannot call that? No, that's that, that's open at any time, 24-7. Just as a matter of an example, I had a call from a, from a lady last weekend whose son was in a little bit of trouble at 10.30 on a Sunday night. We were able this week to attend a court and to get him bail in relation to his matter. He's now seeking some assistance and preparing his matter for a court appearance in the coming weeks. And, and that was just one example where we were able to help someone Sunday night 10.30 who needed some some assistance relatively quickly. Well I often say that as advocates we speak for those who cannot speak for themselves and that's no more important than the criminal law jurisdiction so from my perspective I couldn't be happier as the employer to hear of your passion and dedication and commitment to the role and as an advocate for our, our clients so thank you very much William. Thanks, Lee. Well, thank you for joining us again today for an episode of LawPod. It's been enormously enjoyable for me and educational as well because every time I speak with one of my experts in these different areas of law, I, I, I learn something myself. So if you have an area of law or a particular topic that you would like us to address, please do not hesitate to contact us directly at lawpod at brydens.com.au and do not forget to follow us on all social media platforms, whether that be Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now again, if you do require any assistance in any criminal matter, please do not hesitate to contact Bryden's lawyers and do not forget their toll-free number being 1800 017 017. So tune in again next week for another special guest and thank you again for listening today. Mm-hmm.